Welcome back to the Prep Extra Podcast. I'm Colton Stone alongside, as always, Chris Bassnett. Week five. Week five. Yeah, I know. Mid-season Crazy. update. Feels like uh, it was just the beginning of the season, and now we're already halfway through. I think this happens to us. Every year. Every year. Yeah. Uh, it, it feels like it takes forever, and it feels like it flies by at the same time. Exactly. So uh, we're starting to learn, you know, at this point, we're kind of starting to learn shaping up of the top portions of every class. We, we had some, you know, assumptions. A lot of them have come true so far. Uh, of course, there are there is still half a season to go, so anything could happen before the playoffs. But um, yeah, I think the the biggest uh, thing that I think everyone had probably got right up to this point is uh, Westside looks incredibly good. Um, point spread is one twenty nine to twenty six. Yeah, or, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, one ninety six to twenty six. Yeah, so that's far. pretty good. Yeah. Um, but I, I feel like. Not really a surprise. We just didn't know, and because last season they it, it felt like they played so long with without players. Miller South at in number two in your rankings. Uh, I I don't think we knew what to expect from Miller South, but they've looked really really good. It's interesting. They they had the week one game against Miller West that they won by a point, twenty eight twenty seven. You think, ah, oh, okay, pretty good win. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll see what we'll see what it looks like. Then you look at the last three weeks, and they've just absolutely smashed people. They've they've outscored their last three points, one twenty nine to twenty six, and two of those ones have been against ranked teams, and the other one's against Miller North, who was a preseason ranked team. So they're getting great quarterback play. Um, of course, I'm going to forget his name. He's a sophomore, but he's been tearing it up. Um, they they have absolutely been sm- absolutely been smashing people, and it's a uh, it's like you said, it looks like it's a collision course between those two. And I think I even wrote it. You know, it's it's. It's Millard South and Omaha West side and kind of everybody else right now in Class A. And and maybe, you know, maybe a Carney jumps up or a Grand Island or somebody like that. But it's pretty clear that those two teams, you know, are are the class of Class A. And whether that remains to be seen through the rest of the season, who knows? Funny things happen. But, but right now, those two teams are head and shoulders above everybody else. Yeah, because you look at the teams that are kind of, Right there in the middle, the Elkhorn South. They've they've been there. They're always around. Millard West, like you said, they're only lost to Millard South. Uh, Omaha North, always good. It feels like you know they room. sometimes have a down year, and then they have uh, an all class or all, all state running back, and then they're right back in it. Um, yeah, and then the only the only team you have from the city uh, that's ranked is is Lincoln East. Um, Kind of been an up and down season so far for the city, uh, but Lincoln East sitting there at three and one. Yeah, that's that's a team that lost opening night um, out at Carney. Got on the bus, you know, as that scorching hot Friday. You know, it was like a hundred degrees, and and the Lincoln East people aren't making excuses, but they said on the drive out, the AC went out on the bus. They had no AC. They had no AC in the locker rooms, and they said they lost their legs in the fourth quarter. You know, and and look, Carney's dealing with the same things other than the bus ride. Right. So it, it goes both ways, and, and Carney's always a great program. But that's a program, Lincoln East, that that's really kind of improved week after week. Um, you can see that just in the scores. You can see that, and I think in the level of play, they're more comfortable. I think offensively with what they have as far as an identity, they knew their defense was going to be pretty solid, and it has been outside of that that opening night against Carney. So it, it, it's a deal, like you said, it's it's been an inconsistent year in the city. Um, South Southeast has a couple tough losses. And nobody else has really kind of stepped up. We knew Southwest was going to be rebuilding a little bit just with the number of guys they lost uh, from last year, uh, the number of seniors at the skill positions. And that's been the case. They played Lincoln East tough for a lot of that game. It ended up being a three-score game. 
but but it was it's, it was never really you know a, a blowout or anything like that. So it, it, we kind of figured it would be East and Southeast, one of those two teams. And, and what you've seen is East kind of take control of that. And, and I think that's something that if you go back and look at the preseason stuff and look at John Gingery's preseason sheet, he liked what he had, and, and that's turned out to be true so far. Yeah, you talk about Southwest too. They they have just had some bad luck in late yeah. games. Really, you yeah. know, they they've taken some leads and just kind of see them slowly bleed out in the fourth um so and again halfway through the season one of these teams could you know potentially turn around win four or five games mm-hmm. um it's it's always hard to tell it's it's interesting when you get to district play too because right. you know you you look at southwest and and southeast and and you're playing teams from the metro you know you're playing a Kearney high or a grand island or whatever now you get into district play and you're going to see a lot of these lincoln teams start to play each other and yeah. that means some of these teams are going to pile up some wins so we're going to pile up some losses. So yep. what does that mean relative to the rest of the state? Well, you kind of have to only go on head-to-head results from what we saw in the, non, the non-district portion of the season. So there's it's going to get to the end of the year. I don't know what the playoff picture is going to look like for Lincoln High Schools. Lincoln East seems like a pretty safe bet. Lincoln Southeast probably going to be right on that bubble. Outside of that, you know, who knows in Class A? It, it might only be a, a couple, you know, Lincoln City teams making it in. We'll just have to see how it plays out. Yeah, and then moving on to, to Class B, Bennington continues to do what they do. Uh, you've got Elkhorn North, Scott, up there. Uh, and then Waverly has looked uh, incredibly impressive as well. Uh, obviously, they've past few years, they've kind of stacked up some very successful seasons. Really, it's getting over the hump of, you know, playing up to the level of a Bennington. Yeah, and I think you, you could almost say Waverly's been the most impressive Class B team so far this year. Bennington won 58 nothing last week uh, over Pius, which is by far probably the best they've played offensively this year. Waverly's known for their defense. It's been that way since Reed Manstead's been the head coach. They seem to have to be a little bit more explosive on offense this year and, and got the chance to see them Friday night uh, against Norris in a great game, 27-22. Uh, Waverly win. That was really the first time Waverly was pushed. And they've got a, a really good quarterback in Nolan Moss, um, a, a kid that, that has a good arm, but also a physical runner. And they, I think they're just going to ride him as far as they can. You know, they, they Waverly had trouble running the ball against Norris outside of Nolan Moss, you know, whether it's a quarterback keeper, quarterback power, things like that. So there's, I think, a little bit more explosiveness in that offense. Um, new offensive coordinator this year. You know the defense is going to be pretty good and and keep them in games, but but you're right. It's it's can they get over that hump of can we beat a Bennington? Can we beat a Scut or you know a team like that late in the season, late in the playoffs to to take that next step and get to a final? They ran into Bennington last year in the semifinals and and played them as tough as anybody, and it was still a you know twenty one to six, twenty eight to six type game. They just they just couldn't get over that hump. I think they're closer this year. It, it might be more of a coin flip this year when you get to that point, but I really like what I've seen out of Waverly so far. Yeah, it, it, for a long time, I mean, Class B was running through Elkhorn. Now that it's running through Bennington, so it's always about you know getting you know building up to. You don't want to be built to beat one team, but you want to be you know kind of growing your way into that that matchup. So um, outside of that, in Class B, kind of just a just kind of a mash of uh, of teams after like fourth or fifth spot. It seems like everybody kind of has a loss. Um, so it's another, you know, class A, it feels like it's pretty clear two to three teams, class B kind of that mix of four there at the top. Um, so again, it's completely assuming off of a few games, but, 
um, you know, it, if those teams keep winning, it, it kind of seems pretty clear. Yeah, I, big game this week. Waverly's at York this week, and, and Bennington went to York a couple weeks ago, and I believe it was 17-6. to six. It was a low-scoring game. Yeah. York's got a great defense. I think you're going to see a low-scoring game Friday night out there. Bold prediction there with Waverly and York. But that, that's a chance for York to kind of make a statement. If you go back and look at their season last year, they had four losses that finished the year ranked fifth in the state, and the four teams they lost to were ahead of them in the ranking. So not another team kind of like Waverly that's kind of right there. Can, can they beat one of those teams that's that's kind of right there above them? They did it to Scott's Bluff last week, went on the road out to Scott's Bluff and beat the Bearcats, you know, shut them out in the second half. That's a really good win. Now you get Waverly at home, another chance to kind of make a statement and maybe move into that upper group. So that's that's a huge game, I think, Friday night out in York. We get Class C, uh, plenty of area flavor there at the, in the top half of your uh, ratings, uh, as well as uh, last week we had a, a, a big Pierce win over Oman Roncalli. I know normally we would think of that the other way around, a team getting a big win over Pierce. But, yeah. um, you know, looking at the top, you've got Wahoo undefeated. Greenwood's, uh, Ashton Greenwood's got one loss. Um, and Boone Central sitting there at the top undefeated. Ashton Greenwood's only lost to Wahoo, um, and it's it's been a it's been a really good year for Wahoo. They thought they had some some pieces there. That's turned out to be true. I think that win over Ashton Greenwood early in the year kind of set the tone for them. You know, it's we're kind of joking in the office. It's Wahoo Week this week. Uh, Wahoo hosts Columbus Lakeview. Bishop Newman hosts UTAN uh, in C two. That's a ranked on ranked matchup. Two teams that. And we're going to be at both of those games. I'll be at uh, Bishop Newman and UTAN um, Friday night. We'll have a we'll have another reporter over at, at Wahoo High covering that game. So it, it's a situation where you've got the two city teams playing really, really well, and, and it's it's a deal for both of them. Where Bishop Newman coming off a loss last week to Saint Cecilia, who scored with like 27 seconds left to win that game. Wahoo has has been pretty dominant. You know, I think a one score win over Ashton Greenwood. Other than that. They've kind of done what they need to do, beat Pierce week one um, by multiple scores to kind of get their season going. Then another win over Ashton Greenwood a couple weeks later. So you really like what you're seeing out of those two teams. And so, again, like you say, it's halfway through the season. Who knows what's going to happen the rest of the way. But but if, if you're living in Wahoo right now, you're seeing some really good football and, and not totally unexpected from those two programs. Yeah, and speaking of C2, like you said, with Bishop Newman, again, three teams sitting there at the top that were – Pretty used to seeing some names in there. Um, Norfolk Catholic just seems to to keep rolling no matter what year and who's on the team. Yeah, yeah. We we thought a couple weeks ago they played Ord uh, week two a one versus two matchup I'm tied at halftime. Norfolk Catholic wins thirty one fourteen. You know, pull away in the second half. Next week it's Norfolk Catholic and, and Battle Creek, and same thing. Norfolk Catholic pulls away. You know, they, they've kind of shown against the top level in that class that they're still kind of a cut above everybody. And, you know, we talk about it all the time, a one-game sample in the playoffs, maybe something happens. But, man, you, you, th- you think Norfolk Catholic might take a little bit of a step back this year after the undefeated season last year? Doesn't look like it right now. That's a team that, that everybody else is trying to catch. And, and two of the biggest challengers to that haven't been able to do it so far. So we'll see how that plays out. But, man, Norfolk Catholic, really impressive so far. Yeah, then you look at, uh, you have Malcolm in there as well at number six. Uh, they've, you know, obviously we talked about replacing Hayden Frank. Not not an easy thing to do, but at three and one, it, it seems like they've managed to do enough that, you know, they, they're one of those teams that maybe if they can sit back, just get a few wins, kind of build some confidence that come playoff time, they they could jump up and get somebody. Yeah, I think if you'd have told uh, their coach, Scott Amon, before the season, they'd be three and one, and in district play, he'd have been pretty happy. And I think he liked what he had. 
but they had a challenging early season schedule. Their only loss, um, I believe, to Oakland Craig, who used a goal line stand late in that game, basically, and then drove down the other way and scored late to win that game. So, so Malcolm's right there, you know, with the, with the top teams in that class. And, and we wondered what that was going to look like after Hayden Frank graduated. And you hate to put so much on one guy, but you're talking about the guy that was the Journal Star Athlete of the Year in the state of Nebraska last year. He was a spectacular player, leader for that program. And that, that shows you the, the sign of a good program. They, they replaced their starting quarterback, a spectacular athlete. They brought a few guys back. And, and that coaching staff has been wise enough to, to kind of retool how they do things around the skills that those guys have. And, and so far, it's worked really well for them. What does that mean going forward? We'll see. But, but Malcolm hasn't gone anywhere, I think, early in the year. And, and that's pretty impressive to see after what they lost from last year. Looking at the two eight-man classes, anything that's jumped out to you, any surprises so far uh, in either D1 or D2? I know it's kind of status quo at the moment. Yeah, I think the best story and and one that we kind of saw coming is South Loop in D2, uh, number one. This is a team that that went over when this this year's seniors were freshmen. Um, Won one or I think won one game or two games as sophomores. Won five games last year. Now here they are number one this year. And and I believe if if they went out and go 13-0, their senior class will finish 500 for their, for, for their <laughs> careers, which is kind of funny to think about, and you, you have a chuckle about it. So that's a nice story um, there in South Loop. Um, other than that, you know, St. Pat's was the preseason number one in D1. They're still there. Uh, the, the issue is can they stay healthy? Injuries kind of caught up to them last year. Uh, one of the best players in D1 and Brecken Erickson, defensive end, just a guy that's a terror, uh, great basketball player as well. Um, Ainsworth in D2. We all know Carter Nelson and what he brings. They have some good players around him. They haven't really been tested yet. What's going to happen when they run into a couple tougher teams now, you know, later in the year and and they have to maybe push themselves, extend themselves a little further, a program that isn't really familiar with success on the football field. You know, last year was their first 9-0 season in maybe ever. I think it was the first time they ever started 9-0 in a season. It just doesn't happen a whole lot for the, for Ainsworth in that sport. So... Now you've got, you know, the best eight-man player probably in the country uh, on your team. Arguably, at least. Arguably, yeah. <laughs> you've got uh, some good players around him. You've got the experience last year of getting into the playoffs, losing a tough game in the second round. How can you kind of push forward now and maybe take that next step and really turn this into a memorable year for Ainsworth? All right, wrap things up here. We'll go down to, to six-man football. Uh, our city team, Parkview Christian, sitting there at eighth. They've got one loss. Um, you know, the story was – can they repeat last year, essentially? Um, of course, last year was uh, an incredible run for them. Only loss being to SEM. If I recall correctly, their only loss so far this year is also to SEM. So, um, you know, but we saw they they put it together after that loss, made it to the playoffs, beat SEM in the playoffs, and then, you know, they take care of this in the title game. So, you know, that's still kind of that lingering question, that two and one, uh, and with, you know, some traditional six-man powers ahead of them, you know, how do they stack up against teams that are west of Kearney, essentially? Yeah, it, it's a deal where it, I don't know that it's a huge shock that Parkview lost to SEM this year. Maybe in the manner that which they lost, it was 54-6, to six, yeah. you know, and that's against an SEM team that, like, Parkview was replacing a lot of guys off a team that was really good last year. <laughs> Their only loss was to Parkview. You know, those teams just basically split the season series and Parkview got them in the playoffs, and that was the difference. So I, I think Parkview and P.J. Book knew they had some, some guys to replace, a big senior class, you know, guys – Placing the six-man offensive player of the year on uh, Chandler Page, running back. 
it was going to take some time. They're going to have to lean on their defense, which in six men, if you're leaning on your defense, that's not something you just see a whole lot of right. until the offense catches up. So probably learned some good lessons in that game. I think if you're park for now, can you kind of just keep building, keep building, keep building? This is a program that we've seen build year after year after year under PJ Buck until you win the state title last year. Now it's about staying at that level. And that's that's the old saying, right? It's, it's harder to stay on top than it is to get on top. So park, if you're going to kind of figure that out as they go, can they stay there? They've got some good experience to lean on last year. We'll see what that looks like at the end of the year. Yeah, yeah. Uh, some interesting games this week. Uh, obviously, after the season, we'll kind of see, you know, how everything unfolds. Uh, I'm sure we'll make uh, bold assumptions after week five. Um, and or, or maybe we'll have the exact same takes. Who knows? <laughs> but for Chris Baston, I'm Colton Stone. This has been the Prep Extra Podcast. We will talk to you guys next week.